This is a 980 CKNW podcast. As you likely know by now, BC is going to look at the idea of changing the way we elect our provincial politicians. And uh, there has been a lot of talk recently about proportional representation. Uh, Joining us to talk a bit more about this is Richard Johnston, the Canada Research Chair in Public Opinion, Elections and Representation in the Department of Political Science at UBC. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us this morning. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Talk a little bit about this. I know you've been uh, quoted talking about the different systems. Uh, There's a lot of confusion out there, uh, not just about proportional representation, but specifically the three different types that are being looked at for BC. (laughs) Well, if you've got a coffee, (laughs) just sit back and enjoy it for a while. I mean, the, the three systems have some things in common. They all preserve some kind of local representation. Um, but they differ in uh, a number of ways as well. Um, they, uh, the dual member proportional one is going to take every seat and pair it with a nearby seat. Everybody elected under it will be a district MP, but not necessarily, the, not necessarily only the one with the largest number of votes. Uh, if you win the seat in the way w- that we do now, the party gets that seat, and you do that province-wide then there will be an additional set of seats to be assigned, and those MLAs will be chosen from the other candidates in the districts, and every, ultimately every MP will be a district MP. But that additional list will be assigned in a way that completely compensates for the over- or under-representation of parties as a result of the first vote cast but it'll be a proportional result in the sense that if you get 40% of the votes province-wide, you should get 40% of the seats subject to rounding error. Mixed-member proportional, uh, the second system on the ballot, is basically the one used in Germany and in New Zealand and in all German states. It also has individual districts, but it would have fewer individual districts than now, Every party can win local seats, but once again, those local seats would add up to, say, 60% of all the seats in the House. The rest of the seats in the House would be allocated parties, again, in a way that fully compensates for whether they are over or underrepresented in the single-member seats. And the result, again, would be quite proportional, although the district system proposed here would have not a province-wide compensation scheme, but a regionally-based one where you'd get a more proportional result in, say, Vancouver than you would up north. And then the rural-urban system, which to me is the really complicated one, the rural-urban system will identify urban and semi-urban seats, and they will become multi-member districts, like the west side of Vancouver. These will be elected by the uh, preferential ballot, the single transferable vote system that was proposed by the Citizens' Assembly 10 years ago, and which, which, which we voted on twice, and the rest of the province, the rural parts of the province, will have the mixed-member proportional system that I tried to describe to you. So each, each is different. My sense is that they'll all actually dilute some of the power of the cities. Probably the dual member will be the most proportional. Rural-urban will be the least. As I said, they all use local seats in some form, uh, all use some form of... Uh, differentiation amongst MLAs. Uh, either they'll, either they'll be, uh, some will be locally elected in the way that they do now, but then uh, in 
MMP and and under rural urban, there will be so-called list members as well. And under the dual member proportional, there will be members who are the best, the strongest losers, you might say. (laughs) All of them would almost certainly mean that no single party would govern with a majority by itself the way it commonly happens now. Does it seem odd that uh, there seems to be a type of uh, kind of reinventing the wheel when we look at dual member in that it's not used anywhere? It's not used anywhere. Both dual member and rural urban, which is also not used anywhere, both of them were devised to try and anticipate the objections that you're reasonably going to get in a province like BC where you have vast areas that are very lightly populated and hard to represent. So in some sense, they're trying to give voters uh, both their cake and, you know, have your cake and eat it too, in the sense that you retain local representation, you have some sort of over-representation of low-density places, and yet you have overall proportionality. But, you know, one might argue that they're trying too hard. Because at this point, it also seems that here we are, we have these systems that are in front of us that you've uh, very uh, been able to un- been able to explain better than anyone I've heard do it before. Too kind, I think, but anyway. <laughs> but we don't even know what the map will look like or, or how this will break down throughout the province at this point. No, we don't. And, and that's, pardon me, that, <clears throat> that is one of the criticisms of the process, that my personal view was that the government should have owned this from the start that actually come out with a specific alternative and made the case for it, including with the map basis. But they haven't, uh, and one might ask why. Hmm. Uh, There's also the issue of uh, this could lead to a scenario where a very small percentage of the population will decide how we elect officials in the future. I'm I'm not sure that's quite right. I mean, I think the, the good news is that a proportional system will mean in some sense that as far as the composition of the legislature is concerned, every vote will actually count, or almost every vote, in a way that is not true now, okay? And in fact, if you think about the, the 2017 B.C. vote, where was that election decided? Some might say in Surrey, right, in the sense of the close, closely contested writings, which basically gave the NDP that margin of seats that brought them within spitting distance of power. So there was massive inequality, one might say, in the 2017 election, and that's not unusual. I think the, the worry under PR is not in terms of a voting block in the electorate, it's a voting block inside the legislature, right? If no single party has a majority, then you can find yourself in the situation in which small parties in the legislature are the ones that are the veto players. They are the pivots for government. Fine if they're kind of parties of the center, not so fine if they're extreme parties. Which uh, we do see in other uh, scenarios in other countries that use that type of system. It is always a possibility, although frankly, it's a possibility in our system as well. You know, the, the fact that the NDP depends on the Greens, that's not a product of PR. Great fear in the uh, UK election a couple of years ago that Labour would form a government tied at the hip to the Scottish National Party. So these things can happen anywhere. The fact of the matter is, most PR jurisdictions are actually pretty well governed. And the pivots for government, generally speaking, 
are parties that straddle the center or they represent a valid interest that is not demagogic or extreme. And, and sir, I didn't mean that when, if we were to shift to this system, then it would be a small uh, number of people voting. But even to get to this point, because it's a mail-in ballot and there's no threshold. Oh, you're talking about the referendum. Right, because oh, there's yes. no threshold as to how many people have to participate. or, or and, it, and it's not the 60% that we saw in the STV vote. It's, it's less than that now. Right, it's 50% plus one of the votes cast. My guess is that turnout in the end is not going to be a big problem. I mean, I think this is a big worry under the uh, when we had the mail-in ballot for the HST. But turnout in the HST mail-in ballot was roughly the same as in the preceding and succeeding provincial elections. I think that because the stakes here are actually very high, right, this is about how power is allocated. The people who have power and who are looking for power will invest a lot of themselves in this campaign. We're going to hear more and more about this as we move towards the referendum period. So I'm actually not too terribly worried about the turnout. As for the threshold, 50% plus 1 versus 60%, here's the problem with 60%, right? You create these situations in which you have people who are, could, could actually be in quite a solid majority of the votes cast, but even so, in a system under which you're accustomed to majority rule, we're telling that 55 56% of the people, I'm sorry, you can't get your way. That is a prescription for pretty cynical politics as well, I think. Uh, true. Cyn- cynical is a, is a good word for that. Uh, Richard Johnson, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time, but I really appreciate uh, your take on this and joining us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.